1: and
2: their essential love
1: of justice.
3: Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for October 8th, 2023. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome, Catherine Smith.
2: Greetings from Atlanta.
3: And welcome, Tim Shiflett.
0: Good evening,
3: sir. All right, a uh, big show tonight. Uh, in addition of a ton of topics to talk about, We're going to have on the show in about 20 minutes a guest who's been on about three times, a former speechwriter at the executive and campaign level, Um, right now is working on his doctorate in political science at University of Oklahoma, worked many campaigns, Mr. J.J. Ames. J.J. will be on with us um, here in about 20 minutes, and we'll talk about all kinds of things. Um, including some of the stuff that we may even talk about before then. But right off the bat, uh, once again, we start planning the show. Things come up that are just too big for us to not mention um, that we didn't plan for uh, because there's only you know roughly 20, 24 hours before the show. And, again, that happened again this week. Sadly, um, over 100 people lost their life. People have been taken hostages, and, and the way it sounds, it's going to be much more um, sadness and loss in the region when, um, Hamas put an attack against, uh, Israel, made international news, really just people across the globe, um, spoke out on this. Some actions are being taken by America. Um, but guys, the one thing I wanted to mention before I threw it to y'all was, and I sent y'all this photo, the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin last night in Germany. They had a giant, I guess it was probably, I don't know if the the flag was hung and the rest of it was superimposed by lights, but they had dressed the Brandenburg Gate in the um, flag of Israel. And you're just thinking, this is a place where Hitler spoke in front of, you know, against the Jewish people, you know, advocated for the extermination of the Jewish people, the complete taking away of their life and, and rights, and now you know, roughly 75 years later, uh, the German state is standing with the people, and these are obviously different people now that are running Germany, that they were completely opposed to. And I thought, you know, as dark as things can get in politics, that shows you people can change for the better if we give them enough time. Um, and I was pretty astounded by that. Um, Catherine, uh, what are your thoughts on this situation?
2: It's always heartbreaking You know, it's just heartbreaking For these these kinds of attacks No matter where they come from Or or what the You know, political leanings Of the people are It's just heartbreaking for all this loss of life And I agree that Photo was really moving And um, It's just You know, it's just too bad that we haven't even Come further in those 75 About 75 years But just heartbreaking.
3: Yeah, Tim, your thoughts on this
0: attack yesterday? Well, I mean, uh, there's a lot to think about. Um, um, this is this is surely the most devastating attack against Israel since the '73 uh, Yom Kippur surprise attack and resulting war. Uh, a lot of a lot of people were hurt and killed yesterday, a lot of innocents. Uh, I understand that some uh, some Americans were also killed yesterday, and perhaps some were even taken hostage. Uh, I, I hope this thing can settle down in a hurry. Uh, we We know that there are foreign actors behind this, especially Iran, and we hope that this doesn't spread or spill over in any way. Uh, but there, there is there is no legitimate reason that you know innocent should be just attacked from nowhere like this. There, there is there's no compelling reason for it. No, not at all. And there are so
3: many. You know, foreign policy implications to this, and I did hear that Iran had said they stand with Hamas, and that brings in some things. And then there's some ties from Russia in there. And there's really some things we just don't know because A, we're not foreign policy experts. B, there's going to be more to be revealed. There's some, you know, some political information that's coming out of this um, that, you know, we'll learn more about. Um, One of the things that kind of struck me is, is problematic. Is that um, you know, Tommy Tuberville had been holding up a lot of the um, military um, maneuverability and funds and what have you um, because of you know something related to reproductive rights policy? Well, he's continuing to hold that up, tying the hands of you know the military leaders, the Biden administration, you know, giving support they might want to Israel, and so that's like of the old saying politics stop at the you know the water's edge at the border um you know this is some a time where he should see that it's just not a time to fight that battle no matter how he feels about that battle because this is you know bigger than that um and then of course we know with the fight that we're going to talk about funding for ukraine has been you know debated and we hope to talk about with the expert about that next week but we're not 100 sure But you wonder if if some of the um, same arguments are going to tie up, you know, you know what we might want to respond with in this conflict. So hopefully we can get politics set aside that we can take the actions that we want to take to support, you know, where we need to decide needs to be supported. And once again, not a foreign policy expert, but let's segue. From that situation to another one And that's the big topic we expected to talk about That unfolded during the week Um, And this I'm going to kind of segue Like I said uh, There is no Speaker of the House And typically the Speaker of the House Is consulted and briefed On matters like happened this weekend Well, Hakeem Jeffries um, Is clearly the minority leader There is no majority leader Because that is the Speaker of the House There's not one And so he actually was consulted, which is kind of historic in a situation like this, and that kind of brings me into what the Republicans did midweek. There was a motion to vacate. I I forget how many Republicans was, but it was more than the number they needed, and then Democrats joined in with that because Kevin McCarthy in no way, shape, or form tried to make any kind of deal (coughs) – You know, there's word that if he would have tried to make a deal, maybe something gets struck. He didn't really try. Nothing really in good faith. Tim, what is your take on the vacating of the Speaker's office in this historic
0: fashion? Well, it all goes back to January when we all witnessed on television that 15 rounds of voting for Speaker to begin with, and Kevin McCarthy – round after round after round, continued to make deals with the hardliners that were voting against him then and denying him the speakership. And basically, he gave the farm away. And one of the deals he made was that one member could stand up on the floor and make a motion to vacate, and they'd have to have a vote on it right then. And that came back to haunt him. That that hung over his head from a little handful of hardliners all year, until finally, um, when they had this standoff about funding the budget. You know, there was a significant number of people that wanted to shut the government down. They either that or make the administration cave and accept their demands for severe spending cuts, especially in social programs and stuff like that. Um, and McCarthy, you know, had made a deal with Biden back in May to fund the government and that all fell through. And so Matt Gates made his motion to vacate And no matter what they did or said, eight of them were going to vote to get rid of him, and that's what they did. So eight Republicans out of 433 present members of the House, were able to get rid of the speaker for the first time in the history of this country. I watched the whole thing and it was just remarkable to see and it's another one of those things that's happened in the last two or three years, guys, especially in the time of Donald Trump, that you never dreamed you would see. And yet here it is and uh let me steal Catherine's word from when before we went on the air. It's a mess. <laughs> That's what it is. It is an absolute mess, and it is just going to be a zoo this week with all these candidates stepping forward. And I'm sure, David, you'd like to tell us all about our beloved ex-president. Who's offered to go to Washington and straighten things out this week? Oh, geez. Well, well,
3: the bigger bill got messed up, and we will get to all that. But let's kind of take this, you know, this how we got to, you know, vacation, if you will, because they literally are on
1: a <laughs> several-day
3: vacation because of this after they vacated. Um, but, Catherine, this argument that some – Almost all Republicans like to make – I don't think any Democrats made this argument – that the Democrats are blamed or to blame because they didn't support Kevin McCarthy. How much credence does this argument have? None.
2: (laughs) I mean, you know, I – I just – I'm just so tired of of this ineffective governing – and it's 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 embarrassing on a you know large scale international scale. We look like fools, and also it really uh, defeats the whole purpose of having the government if we we're just gonna shut it down and then get rid of this you want to shut it down but you can't so you get rid of the speaker and then you essentially shut the government down Um, it's just it's um, it's so disappointing uh, and childish and I just I just get aggravated thinking about it really but Everything Tim said. Yeah, it's and I think um, the the key thing
3: is I've read some about the possible deal and and the deal that McCarthy could have offered. I think even maybe thought about offering and just chose not to. Would have been really having the you know the leadership of the Congress reflect how narrow um, you know power is divided. Right now, it's about a four vote uh majority when it comes right down to it forward or fully up, I guess that comes closer to eight, but you know, members retire and special elections are held. So it varies from uh, you know, month to month based on that. So it's very narrow. And so it would have been um a lot of the committees would have had equal membership, including the rules committee, to where Democrats would have <laughs> had more say. Now of course that would have probably ticked off some more Republicans besides that you know, roughly eight folks led by Matt Gates. But if it would have resulted in Democrats having more power, maybe Democrats would have helped. But they were never offered the deal. And so Kevin McCarthy had to choose a side. What is that? Um pick pick your fighter. He you had to pick his player, pick his side. And he picked and he lost. Um and he's the one that's gotta, you know, take the blame for that. Now he can say I want to go down as a, a good Republican, a good party member and he is not right. But then the Republicans then have to decide if they want to respect that or don't care and push him to the side. They made their choice. They're going to push him to the side. Now, let's talk about Kevin McCarthy first before we get into who's next. Um, Kevin McCarthy is um, says he's going to remain in the House, serve out his term, and then there's rumors that he may run for reelection. Then there's rumors saying that he may – vacate the office, he may not run for re-election, you know, everything to the contrary. So, Tim, based on what you've read, what your gut instinct is, what do you think Kevin McCarthy will do? Well,
0: uh, when we've seen people lose the speakership for one reason or another in the past, never exactly like this because nothing like this exactly has ever happened. They have chosen to leave uh that's what Denny Haskert did that's what certainly what Newt Gingrich, as you know, did uh, and I'm just not convinced he will stay until I see him doing it and then I don't know what his angle would be it unless he is hopeful of winning reelection. the Republicans somehow hold the house and turn to him again to be speaker, which is not going to happen if they already have a speaker. So I don't know what his angle would be. Uh, I I would have thought he would would have pursued uh, something like going on Fox News or, you know, something like that. Maybe writing a book, doing a tour, um, maybe looking at some other political office, but I would not have thought. After what just happened to him That he would have stayed in the House And I don't know what the incentive For him is to do it Yeah Catherine um, I guess as a way
3: to kind of pick you, Pull in another topic we had not talked about He could have re- re- uh, ran for California Senate Because now we have a <laughs> senator Who may or may not run for reelection. election um, He's of the other party uh, You think there's any inkling He would run for Senate
2: Oh boy that would be. Uh, I, I can't imagine he could. I, I mean, I can't imagine he could run for Senate. First of all, it's California. He's probably he's not going to win. Second of all, he might not even make it out of the primary. After all this, like. Well, let let's, let me let me set the, the
3: stage for you to where we can discuss it again, and you can discuss it first. Um, LaFonza Butler, she got appointed. Uh, is the interim senator, and she can run for reelection. We, you know, we sent a bunch of texts on this early in the week. If Katie Porter, um, Adam Schiff, and Barbara Lee all stay in the race, and LaFonza Butler's in the race, and Kevin McCarthy was the only Republican, wouldn't he by- likely then have a divided four vote to where he could sneak into second place and get the runoff? Uh, it
2: depends. It depends on what other Republican might run. That's what I'm if saying. They, he'd
3: have to he'd have to consolidate the field.
2: Yeah, he'd have to consolidate the field. Um, I'm just not sure that. Uh, I don't know. I, it just depends on how he can. You know what the timing is, how much time he has to to campaign and be, uh. You know, do a, a sort of an apology or a, not an apology, but a. a you know, a revisioning of himself in California Uh, because, you know, if you're, if all the Republicans who voted for him are going to be like, you know, angry that he, that he's not still representing them. And if he, I I don't know, I just, I don't see it being a successful uh, next step for him myself. Yeah. And, Tim, before I get your thoughts real quickly on this, I don't see it being
3: successful either. I just don't think – he needs a way to save face, and if he were to run one of the more credible campaigns in the past you know, two or three cycles for a California Republican, and he tried to seek higher office, it might be a face-saving um, way to go out. Instead of resigning, he tries for higher office, and because those Californians are just so – wild and out of control there's no way to win statewide but he's the good republican i just saw that as a possible face-saving um
0: you know method for him anything to that tim yeah well before saving face or before going out on a high note the first thing that a politician likes to explore is how to stay in office so it looks to me like his only choice, if he wants to stay in office just for right now, is to run for reelection to his house seat, and then figure out from there how to save face and move to something higher. Because right. I, I I I don't I, I don't see the numbers there for him to do well in that senate race. Uh, I'm sure he can raise money, but brother, he'd have to raise a ton and in a hurry. He'd have to force everybody that's already in the race with an R behind their name out. And he'd have to have the blessing of the Republican Party of California, which is very iffy considering they're in Trump's pocket, which means he'd have to have Donald Trump's blessing. I don't know if he could do all of that right now. Well,
3: well, don't forget he's my Kevin. He's Donald's Kevin. But But let's go ahead. And switch gears, and we're going to to ask uh, our guest, who is originally from California, some California political questions. Welcome back to the Kudzu Vine, JJ Ames.
1: Hey guys, how you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. Before I get started, I do have to. uh, Before I get started, I do have to say one thing. I have to say, Boomer sooner. Yes.
3: Yes, we, we noted that you are um you are currently enrolled and, and I guess even on the faculty in a way, um at University of Oklahoma, so congrats on that. Um, Thanks so much.
1: Well, uh, I, I teach intro to federal government here at, at OU, yeah.
3: Yes, well, we'll and, and luckily for you, last time you came on we asked you a lot of Oklahoma questions and that's kind of <laughs> depressing for a Democrat. So we won't do as much of that this week. Um uh, but Appreciate what that. we'll do yeah. <laughs> is we will um, talk to you about your uh, state of origin, California, to start off with. And actually, this is more of a national question because she's moved on from California office to national office as vice president. Um, One of the big aims of the Biden-Harris campaign is going to be increasing the popularity of Kamala Harris, who, when we look at the numbers, her favorability definitely on a personal level is less than President Joe Biden. Fair or unfair, but the numbers, Uh, every poll you see pretty much shows that. Um, First off, J.J., why do you think that's so?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I have a couple of different thoughts on that, but I I think that uh, I watched Kamala Harris grow up as a politician in California, and, uh, you know, she has has always had – uh, the 110% backing of of, uh, of the party in california and she she made a tremendous uh, number of mistakes though, politically speaking when she moved from uh, from california to washington and and the, the the first mistake was that you know as a as a as a, a former prosecuting attorney uh, she she ha- she she has a she has a, a, a core constituency uh, that that has a, a, a not always had a uh, a top shelf relationship with, with prosecutors uh, across the board, and I had this discussion with uh, with her husband uh, during the course of her presidential primary campaign uh, back in 2020, and uh, the first mistake that she made was uh, the 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 campaign slogan. For Kamala Harris's presidential campaign was Kamala Harris for the people. Now I asked her husband, who also happens to be a lawyer, I said, "Who who approved that?" And he said, "Oh, we did. She and I, we we and I, she and I did. We did." Uh, I said, "Well, did you did you ever think about the fact that the first words that a potential uh, a, a potential inmate a defendant hears uh, at the beginning of every court case?" Uh, when the judge asks if both counsel are ready to proceed, the prosecutor stands up and says, Kamala Harris, Your Honor, for the people. So Kamala Harris was trying to to cultivate uh, a a minority base uh, as as her rock-solid base of support uh, in her presidential campaign and not even thinking about the fact that for the people uh, were the first words that the person who puts uh, her constituency or base constituency in jail uh, we'll hear when, at the beginning of every case. So there was there were a bunch of political mistakes that were strategic mistakes that were made. Uh, there were tactical implementation mistakes that were made uh, as, during the course of her campaign, and she really offended during the during that presidential primary campaign uh, every element uh, of of the rock solid base that she had been counting on to propel her up into that top two, top three in in, the, in that primary. And, and that hasn't changed. She, she through colleagues of mine who, who either work for her now or who have worked for her in the past, uh, they have consistently told me that she's maybe the single most difficult person in the world to work for. So you have all of these, these things, in my opinion, working against her. And, and I, back when the, when, the when, the, when the re-election campaign was launched, I had got into a a rather heated discussion with a person on the inside uh, because that uh, that launch video was designed to do nothing other than uh, project the image that uh, that Biden Harris 24 is really Harris Biden 24 uh, at this stage of the game. There really was a designed attempt to uh, more fully incorporate her into the campaign and more fully uh, incorporate the concept. Attempt to to cultivate the acceptance of a Harris presidency, and and I think we're 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 not necessarily uh, an, an inch away from uh, an African American female becoming president, but I think we're a, a, a Grand Canyon away from Kamala Harris becoming president.
3: Well, uh, so now that's the next thing is the, the problems you know with popularity like i said fair or unfair i listened to her biography i her to be far more compelling detractors to I, I do think there, there's more authenticity than that than she's even credit for but how do how does the campaign solve that problem how do they make her more popular with voters that are not necessarily warm to her at this point and i do think it's not an issue it's a Joe Biden's like really likable on the core level, and you won't agree with him politically. Whereas she hasn't cultivated that yet.
1: Yeah, I think that's the case, and I think you know part of uh, part of this may very well stem from the fact that the 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 progression of Kamala Harris from uh, member of the general electorate to vice president of the United States, you know, it, it was pretty easy. It was it was a pretty rapid rise. And it was a pretty programmatic rise uh, uh, with respect to what the California Democratic Party had uh, had always hoped for for her. And, and I think that uh, it's like that—you know, you keep uh, you, you, you keep playing Devry, uh, you know, every every week, and then you come against come up against the Bulldogs one of these days, and uh, you know you're in trouble. And I think that's that's I think that's part of it. Now, how how do they go about? You know how they go about making Kamala more likable is a, 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 a part of a, of a much bigger question, and it gets into, you know, how many uh, how many eighty year olds do, do you do you need to have in uh, in critical positions in, in federal government? Uh, you know, it's, I think that Kamala suffers even in part from the fact that she just happens to be hooked up with uh, with, with Joe Biden at this point in time. Uh, in a year when uh, you know when Diane Feinstein uh, leaves us, and when when others who are post who are, who are on the downside of, uh, of eighty in, in, in the House and Senate at this stage of the game are are being called out daily, uh, and, and and with suggestions being made that they it's time for it's time for them to go, uh, you know Democrats are in a are in a uh, in one sense are in a very very difficult 2024 situation and in another sense are in a, a very healthy 2024 situation. I, I think the saving grace for Kamala Harris is the same saving grace that would be for Joe Biden, and the same saving grace for the party as a whole. And that is, you know, if you go back to 2008, you remember that Barack Obama got uh, got slammed really really hard because he said uh, the entire the entire Republican uh, campaign plan uh, was God God guns and gays. And I think the one saving grace that the Democrats have in 2024 is that the entire Democratic strategic plan better be Dobbs, guns, and gays. <laughs>
2: because, uh, yeah, the,
3: the, there's so much there, and I'd love to you know, get deeper into the Joe Biden age thing, which I think if, if the Republicans are running a 50-year-old, there might be a contrast, but when you're running a healthy 80-year-old, against a 77-year-old that doesn't live healthily that seems to just
1: defy,
3: <laughs> you know, human biology um, and, and being as healthy as he is for the way he lives at 77. I don't think that's a big contrast. But let me ask you one more question about Kamala Harris and her popularity. Sure. Then I'm going to pass it to Catherine Kim. And this next question, you, may, you mentioned W. Paul, her husband. A lot of times I think the criticisms are Kamala Harris is very calculated, curated planned, you know, everything's a strategical thing. And everything I've heard about the second gentleman is he's just kind of fun and off the cuff and he went to the Iowa fair and he was just like, you know, a kid in a candy store. Total antithesis. Now his personality can't be her personality, but if somebody can appreciate his personality, you think, gosh, there's a little bit of fun in there, obviously. How is there any way that they can grasp some of his personal traits onto her profile, maybe not in her, but just like, <laughs> hey, she can hang out with this guy at least. So, you know, she's a little more lighthearted.
1: To be quite honest, I think he's actually the better politician than, than, than she is at this stage of the game uh, because if you look at, at, at who Doug really is, you know, he's 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 a, was of course the, the managing partner of the Los Angeles office of the largest law firm in the world, making twenty million plus dollars a year. So it wasn't. It, 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 he, he probably he probably had more of of a an ability to uh, to unwind in his capacity when uh, whereas she probably doesn't at this stage of the game. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, knowing the the, the the DC inside as much as I do, I've you know, been there for most of the last thirty five years. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a situation where you you, you get branded, you, you get branded, it's, and it's, it's not like you know in, in in the course of any election, you know, a uh, an, an opposition candidate branding you before you do, which is of course a major problem. But but you you get into DC and you you get branded pretty fast and. and and I'm not sure that she can escape this right now, and, and it, it, it believe me, it troubled me uh, as, as we were coming up to uh, the time when there'd be a decision made on re-election. I, I, I think if you want to know what I think Kamala Harris's best move is right now and what Joe Biden's best move is and what the Democratic Party's best move is, I think uh, Joe catches a case of COVID here before too long. And Kamala Harris cuts a deal with Gavin Newsom to become the next Supreme Court nominee. Gavin steps in, becomes the nominee of the party for 24, and Kamala steps down and becomes a, becomes a Supreme Court justice in the next go-around. Uh, she doesn't have to run we- for re-election again. Her, her popularity doesn't matter, uh, a la Clarence Thomas. Uh, and she can sit there uh, in, in, a, in an office for the rest of her life, and she'll be, in, she'll be where she want, where she needs to be as opposed to where she maybe wants to be.
3: Well, well, obviously you you ended my segment with you with a, a quite a conspiracy scenario, <laughs> uh, you know, plausible but probably not likely. Because I will point out, JJ, I don't see the Supreme Court opening on the horizon uh, because Clarence Thomas is not yeah. going to resign, even though he you, you, <laughs> obviously you might be as, surprised. As, as, you might- yeah,
1: you might be surprised. Well, <laughs> well
3: that, if he were to resign, that would make things a little trickier. But let's go ahead and pass it to Catherine, who has questions about yeah. other things, and then we'll pass it to Tim. Catherine,
2: fantastic. Hey, JJ, thanks for being on. We appreciate oh, no it. Oh, Glad to be here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about jobs because uh, it's what I think about a lot and how sure. it, the impact it will have on. The twenty well on all the elections going forward, especially the twenty twenty four election. Um, you're in Oklahoma. I'm sure you. I know you don't like to talk necessarily a lot about Oklahoma, but what is the what what is the um, sort of temperature there around uh, abortion and Dobbs and all the related things? And what do you what do you think the impact is there?
1: I, I don't know that Oklahoma is necessarily Kansas in, in in the sense that if if we had a, a ballot question today, I, I don't know that that you could you could pass uh, you could pass protections for for women's reproductive rights in Oklahoma. Uh, but I will say this that. that uh, being on the college campus and, and you know, my, my, my freshman class that I teach intro to in Federal Government uh, normally has 250 kids in, in my main lecture uh, this year. They've increased that to where we now have 350 kids. Uh, and it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty diverse uh, as, as Oklahoma goes. Uh, but we have a lot of Texas kids in the classes as well. And, and I think just not only talking to, to the students about their views. Uh, but what they talk about in their homes and among their families and circles of friends and what have you. I, I think that, I think that that Dobbs is uh, has the potential uh, again to be a, uh, a saving grace. And I think the, the key locating the key state races that I would be looking at right now, I'd be looking at, at, at Montana, you know, to see if there's a, if there's a Dobbs effect in Montana, because if, if there's a Dobbs effect in Montana, uh, you know, there'll be one just about everywhere. Uh, at this stage of the game, and I, and I, I do think that that um, that combination of, of uh, uh, the revelation that, that common sense gun laws uh, you know are now a, a, a must, uh, and, and that uh, issues with that, that the Supreme Court was not going to stop at Dobbs, they were going to uh, af- going after Obergefell and and, and and anything else they could find in you know, in, in the in the drawer. You know, I, I think that I think there is a a, a mood in the country, and I, you know, I I still believe that that the that the Trumpism has about a thirty three thirty four percent ceiling at this stage of the game, and I think that'll go down even farther uh, as soon as uh, the first uh, the first sentence to federal penitentiary is uh, is dished out. Yeah. You know, I, you know, so I, I would I think hope so,
2: but you know. <laughs> Well, you're never we, going to get
3: you're
1: never going to get to get below about twenty six or twenty seven percent. And that's you know, if, 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 if I wanted to talk more about that, I'd have to discuss my concept of selective retroactive abortion. But um, in, in any case, <laughs> the, I, you know, I, I think that I think if if you continuously want to express support, uh, you know, for A a malignant narcissist uh, with 91 felonies uh, up against him at this point, you should have to go before a committee. And if our committee believes that your parents made a mistake, then you know selective retroactive abortion. That's all I can say. But the uh, (laughs) the, the, but I I think and I think that's really uh, you know the part of the problem. But but the good news is I do think there's a a, probably a a 25 26 percent. Floor and a thirty-two, thirty-three percent ceiling, so I don't worry as much about the national race. I, I, I do think that if if it's Joe and Kamala, that's fantastic. I'm convinced that they'll they'll win by uh, more than a few percentage points. But I think uh, if it were if it were Donald Trump and Gavin Newsom, um, you know, Donald might not even need to show up at, at the party. So, uh, but you I, know, no, I do think that Oklahoma uh, there is. Strength here uh, from a Dobbs perspective, but not necessarily as much as in many, many other states.
2: Okay. And now I I want to talk a little bit more about Kamala Harris, too. Mm -hmm. Do you think, I mean, I remember when when she was nominated, you know, some of us in the sort of inside politics, we we knew about her. We knew who she was. And Mm -hmm. the fact that she was a black woman was really great. You know, I think everybody... Was uh, responded well to that, but as as we learned more about her, uh, some of her um, prosecutorial <laughs> um, practices, uh, some people, you know, some of my more progressive friends were like, "Wait a minute, you know, like is she really all that?" Right. Um, and but but I think we all like sort of fell into this uh, you know, sort of like Camelot idea. Oh, this is so great, you know blah blah do you think that um do you think that we maybe should have paid more closely more close attention at that early phase um or do you think that we made a mistake by not sort of talking more about cuz i don't remember there really being a big discussion about her um her uh Time as a prosecutor, um, you know, I, I, we didn't talk about it. She didn't yeah. say. She didn't say. Well, I was a prosecutor. I had to do that. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think, and
1: I think part of that again is, was just the fact if you looked at at Kamala Harris's rise from from again from from simple voter uh, to vice president. I mean, she she had a uh, she was fast tracked. You know, she was fast tracked from from beginning to end, and. and and there was there was every reason in the world for her, given the environment within which you know she kind of grew up politically. Uh, there was every reason in the world for her to think that hey, the next step is going to be the same distance uh, from the one I'm on now as the one I was on before, and uh, you know it just it, it was it was simply anticipated that that this was her path, this was her career path, and and you know it's like when it's like everything else when you start to you know, buy into your own press clippings. Uh, you know the job has a tendency to get a little bit harder down the road, you know
2: well i don 't mean to say i mean I, th- I I like her, and i I mm-hmm. have no qualms about what she did as a prosecutor. I freely uh, recognize that people make decisions when they 're in a job that sometimes they regret or might not agree with a hundred percent it 's just like the way of the world. But um, mm-hmm. I just sometimes I think that, that we didn't uh, pitch her properly from the get-go, and so now she's sort of stuck. Well but, the question
1: and the, the question is, was she not pitched properly, or, or was that all the pitchers had to work with? That's, that's, that's oh, one. And, 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 and the other thing too, which, which hurt her in, in her campaign, and it really it bothers me a little bit now, uh, going into' 24 with, with the Biden campaign. Uh, You know, Julie Rodriguez is a nice person. She's a a wonderful person, Uh, and she was Kamala's campaign manager when during her California Senate campaign. And she and her husband ran Kamala's uh, primary campaign, and they attempted to run that primary campaign exactly as they had run her California Senate campaign, and. And for anyone who knows anything at all about politics, uh, you know this day and age. I don't really care who the Republican is. You're not going to win a statewide race in, in California, and, and and I and I think that trying to just just trying to run that presidential primary campaign like they would have run another California Democratic primary campaign uh, or Democratic uh, California Democratic California, California general election campaign rather. Um, it, it just showed, in my mind, that that no no one in that group was was ready for prime time, and and the reason why Joe, of course, named uh, uh, Julie as the campaign manager now, uh, was to again promote that Kamala Harris connection, that Kamala Harris uh, portion uh, of of the ticket, and and I uh, I challenged internally. The decision to uh, to uh, uh, announce Julie as the campaign manager, and uh, and then of course, it, uh, nobody wishes to be anymore anyway. But uh, they, they, <laughs> they they did they, they did one time. I know that in, feeling.
2: In, in, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, they, well, they they did one time in twenty twenty during the twenty twenty campaign, and and I think it, it it did some good for everybody. But uh, but right now, I think that uh, there's this there's an internal feeling that. We're running a co-president campaign here. And, and I, I think that's a mistake. I think there are other mistakes that are being made. And fortunately, the good news is uh, the other side's making a lot more mistakes than we are. <laughs> no
2: kidding. <Jeez. laughs> okay, well, I'm going to pass it to Tim. Uh, yeah. And if it comes back around, I might have some more questions.
0: Fantastic. Thanks so Tim. much. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, morning, e- good evening, sir. Uh, let's Hello, turn friend. our attention to a fun topic: the U.S. Senate. Um, you, you know what the map looks like. We we all do. Um, recently, we had an, uh, a guest on the show that we were talking to the U.S. Senate about, and she suddenly mentioned that she would be keeping an eye on the Florida Senate race. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what? Uh, I hadn't even considered that. I know about Rick Scott's negatives. They're they're,
2: Mm -hmm, they're certainly mm
0: -hmm. uh, well documented. But I'm having trouble thinking there's going to be a competitive Senate race in Florida next year, is there? I I can't for the
1: life of me believe that there will be a competitive uh, anything statewide race in Florida for a long time to come in in 2020 uh you know they, there was uh there was way 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 more money put into uh, florida uh nationally than than it should have been uh, it was in in, in 2020 you know, we were spending money in Florida and spending money in texas and 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 and, it, it, and spending spending way 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 more money in ohio uh you know than than i thought was warranted um, but as, as, with respect to Florida, I, I don't believe. I yeah, Rick Scott's got a ton of negatives, and and he's again, he's he's got target fixation on his own foot right now with whatever whatever he, you know he's, he's carrying on his on his hip. Uh, but I, I think that uh, I, I think Florida is gone, and I think Florida is gone for a lot longer than than some people would would like to believe. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I'm. In total agreement with you on that So let's turn now northward Um, I cannot come up with a scenario In which the Democrats hold the Senate Without a Sherrod Brown victory in Ohio Well, we know what's been going on lately in Ohio Is there any way that Brown holds that seat?
1: If anybody can, uh this, this I'll say this to anybody at all, if anybody can do it, uh, Sherrod can. Um, he's very, very well-liked. He, he's absolutely a, a guy on the ground, you know, man of the people, and, and uh, can walk into any one of the four corners of that state and, and be uh, recognized and appreciated for the things that he's trying to do for the working man. And, and I, I think Sherrod would have been a uh, – uh, had he decided to uh, to run in in 2020 uh, for president, uh, I, I think that uh, he would have been a, could have been a formidable candidate. Um, I think that if anybody can hold the seat, he can. And the, and again, the, a couple of good things that are going on there is that is that um, his principal uh, Republican challenger is the Secretary of State from Ohio. Uh, who was involved in the, up to his up to his neck uh, in the controversy about uh with respect to increasing the the uh, the the majority size of a, in, in a refer- in a referendum situation so i uh-huh. i think that i think that uh, that has got not only his own uh, popularity and political savvy and and uh, and, and reputation going for him uh, but the other the, the guy who is probably going to be the uh, uh, the republican nominee is 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 not is not necessarily being looked upon with uh, with favor right now by uh, a whole a whole host of, of ohioans uh and, and his, his his principal competition uh for the republican uh, uh senatorial nod uh, right now is uh oh the guy who's, whose family uh, owns the cleveland baseball team so uh so you got a uh you got a secretary of state, uh, I think a car dealer, and a, and a, and a guy whose family owns a baseball team. So uh, if you want to say that uh, you're 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 desirous of supporting a man of the people, uh, you know, Sherrod's your guy. And, and I, I think it's going to be by no means a walk in the park. I mean, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, if you look at, at at where we've fared in national elections uh, in uh, in Ohio recently the uh, last few cycles, I mean, uh, haven't done real well there, and 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 on top of that, if you uh, uh, you, you just you look at at, 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 at Tim, look at the fact what happened to Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan would have been a fantastic senator, and he gets uh, he gets beat out by a, a, a Trumplicker. So I, mm-hmm. uh, I I I I don't think that Sharon is safe by any stretch, uh, and I do think that, that 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 seat will be necessary to to maintaining a, a Democratic majority. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where where we have potential pickups uh, with this map <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so when you when you add that uh, you, know, you add the fact that there's a serious lack of potential pickups to the uh, the, the seven potential losses uh that are out there uh hovering mm-hmm. i mean you know it's 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 not a uh, it's not a real good situation but uh but very very fortunately uh, and, and i do so that's why I say i'm watching montana uh, pretty good because if uh if, if Dobbs, Guns, and Gays can win uh, a re-election for
0: John Tester, then I think we'll, we might even be okay in Ohio. All right. Well, let's go west now, and let's go crazy, uh, because this Senate race in Arizona, I fear, <laughs> is going gonna, gonna to be looking pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, we, we're thinking: What will Kirsten Cinema even do? Is she is she going to run as an indie, a Democrat? If she runs as an indie, who does
2: she hurt?
0: And then there's that fun-loving lady Carrie Land, <laughs>
2: who's about
0: to jump in there. Straight, uh, try to straighten all that out for me. What in the world is going to happen in Arizona? Well, <sighs> I, mean,
1: I, I think there is at least a, a, a reasonable prospect that that Kirsten Cinema will decide that uh, wall street uh, is is her landing spot and that uh, that she would uh, would complete the process of uh, selling out uh, by by taking the uh, taking the big the big seven eight nine ten figure job and uh, that comes with either wall street or or or, or a major lobbying entity in, in Washington. I, I, I don't think she has any burning desire to log much more time in Arizona. Uh, but if, if she were to run, I do believe it would be as an independent, because uh, my friends in Arizona tell me that uh, she'd probably get about a half a dozen Democratic votes at, at this the stage of the game. I mean, her her <laughs> uh, her fate is sealed, at, I think, among Democrats at this point. So it, it would... It would come down, if she did run as an independent, you know, who does she hurt most? I don't I don't know that she hurts Ruben uh, all that uh, much because, mm-hmm. you know, Ruben's, uh, I mean, he's at the, you know, he's at a 180 on the other end of the spectrum here from, from Kirsten. And so I, I think that, I think he, his his base is going to come out no matter what. And uh, he's got a great message. Uh, I think he's a great candidate. Uh, and I think he's going to do a, a, a good job representing uh, the party in that, in that election uh, with Kyrie Lake, you know, Carly Lake's the question I have is how much of Carrie Lake's future political future uh, depends upon what happens to Trump. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, you know, if, if she, she could become a significant player or, or a non-factor uh, you know, I think that, uh, that the manner in which she responded to losing the gubernatorial election uh, will probably hurt her, not only in this cycle, but uh, in, in a couple more until the next generation of voters comes up and doesn't know her and has to start from scratch. Um, but I think it, it would, it, if nothing else, it will be uh, a five-ring circus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just the way things happen in Arizona anymore, you know, politically. Uh, I, I do think that that cinema has the she has the potential to be a minor problem for Democrats, but not a not necessarily a major problem. Uh, and and what I say about Carrie Lake, Carrie Lake my philosophy there is um, different than a lot of other people. And, and my philosophy is this: my 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 grandfather told me uh, uh, as a real real young child he said you know sometimes JJ all you got to do is let him talk, <laughs> and and that's that's where I think we're at with Carrie Lake right now. I mean I would be if it, I, I as a Democrat I would be doing everything I possibly could to get more airtime for her because <laughs> because, because ultimately. Um, lunacy uh, in the in the town square uh, will get you out of the town square faster than anything
0: else that might happen. So. Mm. That's a very astute observation on your part, sir. And with that, I'm <laughs> going to send it right back to David. David. <laughs> sure. Yes.
3: Well, um, JJ, our time is running short, and so I wanted to. Have a question for you, but I'm going to ask Tim and Catherine the same question. And I'll give I, I, some kind of answer because I'll be honest; I really don't know. We're, right now, yeah. we have no speaker. We know it could be um, Jim Jordan. It could be Steve Scalise. Rumors are it could be Donald Trump, um, although he <laughs> said he's still you know backing Jim Jordan. But I think he always likes to bag. Could be Hakeem Jeffries if something really goes sideways because he seems to win the most votes. Round after round. And now yeah. people are even trying to pull Kevin McCarthy back in. And then theoretically, I guess, according to the Constitution, it could be for any 330 million of us, um, you know, as long as you're an American Absolutely. citizen. Um, yeah, so who's yeah. going
1: to be the next speaker? To get quick answer. Quick answer, okay. I, I don't think Jim Jordan has a chance because, uh, you know, he's Jim Jordan and, and plus. plus he, he doesn't meet the minimum height requirement anyway. I mean, you have to be 5'5 five five to <laughs> ride the ride. So, and and in in, in Scalise's case, I, you know, I think uh, I think Scalise is probably would probably be easier to to deal with because even though uh I, I disagree with him on absolutely everything, uh he he makes a little bit more sense most of the time than Jim Jordan does. Trump is Trump's going to jail. I mean, uh, that's he, he can be speaker for a day, he can be queen for a day. He's going to jail. Uh, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. And and in, in the case of McCarthy, I, I think, I think McCarthy. I have a lot. I have a lot of real good friends in Bakersfield. You know where McCarthy's from, and and they love him there. They would they would continue to send him back until you know 2099. Uh, but I think that that he. Uh, I, I think that he'll. I think the handwriting's on the wall for him at this stage of the game. He'll he'll take the Paul Ryan, you know, John Boehner way out, and, and I, I so I don't I don't I don't know that he'll necessarily resign or 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 not not stand for
3: election. Who's going to be the next? Speaker? Oh,
2: Catherine, you. Yeah. Oh, you asking yeah, me. Yeah, who's going to be the next I...
3: speaker? Yeah, who's going to be the uh, next speaker? I'm asking you and Tim, and I'll say it. Then we'll close it out.
2: I'm going to go for Jeffries.
3: Hmm. So do you see some kind of deal where these Republicans say, look, you know, the the Mike Lawlers and those people that that are in New York that could lose their seats, they somehow decide to almost defect then to elect
1: Jeffries? They better defect if they do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
2: they defect, or or it's just like nobody else will do it. Like nobody else can either get elected or will do it.
3: Well, I mean, I mean, and also, I guess it could go speakerless for a indefinite period of time. At least through our next show, um, Tim, what do you think?
0: I think it's going to be Scalise. He's the number two man. He's the majority leader. Uh, people even like Matt Gates has said that he would be acceptable. I think he will be a consensus builder that'll that'll get the required number of votes. And we are going to have a. House leadership that all voted against certifying Biden as president in twenty twenty. Isn't that, that exciting, guys? How about that? Well
3: I, and I'll tell you I'll, I'll go last. Um Steve Scalise would be a more logical choice, but we're dealing with a bunch of people that are not very logical.
2: That's why <laughs> I actually think if I just
3: took one person, I think Jim Jordan uh may end up being speaker. Um height, you know, you know, uh aside and then <laughs> the, the idea of the field is pretty engaging because that just means more chaos. And, and, and who knows? Oh, oh, it's just so crazy what's going to happen. So we're going to have that to discuss uh, next week, you know, what potentially happened or what is still in the process of happening. But until then, um, J.J., tell us if people, of course, if they just want to come to Oklahoma and sit yeah. in the class, that may not be allowed. But they can obviously enroll in the University of Oklahoma. But where's some places they could read you or find you on social media?
1: Oh gosh, you know I have I have gone to great lengths to to not be observable on social media, uh, uh, <laughs> primarily primarily because primarily because when I do say things, they tend to be a little bit off color. But uh, <laughs> but I, I, I uh, but I, you know I I think that that, that right now I, I I do have still have my ex account my Twitter account now which is. Uh, Five, nation, five nations under God, because I believe that we are not one nation; we are five nations under God. And uh, you know, we're the Northeast, the South, the Midwest, the Mountain States, and the Far West. And uh, uh, so that's the best place. But but my, I'll, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to throw my uh, my uh, my email out there. And I, I do take a lot of a uh, uh, lot of emails, inquiries from people coast to coast. My email is polisai poly guru. It's p o p o l i s P-I-G-U-R-U at O-U dot E-D-U. So it's PolysciGuru at O-U dot E-D-U.
3: All right. Well, J.J., we thank you so much for coming on the show. Got to have you again because you're engaging and you don't just – or you're not afraid to jump out of the box if you think it's the right thing. <laughs> so glad to have you on the show tonight.
1: Appreciate hey, listen,
0: you, Newsom, J.J. New, Newsome 24, Newsome
1: 24.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. All right. Well, that was J.J. Ames, uh, who's currently teaching and, and working on his doctoral uh, work at University of Oklahoma, uh long-time Washington insider. I, I'll let you find his um, LinkedIn or what all, to know all the things he knows and all the people he knows and whatnot. Um, but until next week, when we think we're going early on Saturday morning and we think we have a really – Awesome guests lined up, but that's not 100% sure. It'll be the Kudzu Vine. Night, everybody. Good
2: night, y'all. Good night,
3: guys.
1: We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and
2: prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime...